been a devastating week for millions, uh, not only in our own state, but as I mentioned in my prayer, across the world. But especially as we've seen in our own state, the effects of devastation, we've also seen a sense of oneness, a sense of unity, coming together and, and helping others no matter who they are, no matter what they have, no matter what they look like, which honestly has been a sense of uh, refreshment to see such a togetherness of people helping one another and caring for one another. As I think about that, it makes me go back to last week and to today's sermon where we're asking the question, what, what does Jesus want for us? What, what does he want for us as a church? What does he want for, for me? What does he want for you? And today in John 17, we, we see two simple answers to that. And I say simple because we see them. They're clear. Um, but, but sometimes they're, they're hard for us. Um, and those two things are, are unity and love. Uh, Jesus wants unity for us as a church. He, he wants for the body of Christ love, that we'd be a loving body. And that's what Jesus longs for his church. And, and, and through these two things that we're going to see this morning, uh, the church impacts the world in such a way that, that the lives of others are changed. And not just their present situation, but for eternity. And their souls are changed. And so this morning, as, as, as I preach, my, my prayer is simply this, that, that God would give us the rich his local expression of, of his bride this morning. Unity and love, just as Jesus prayed for, that we would shine bright, the light of Christ, in our community and world. And so this morning, I, I want us to pick up again in John 17. Let me remind you what's going on here. Jesus is sitting with his disciples. He's washed their feet. He's taught them much uh, through this lengthy discourse. And here in John 17, we find this prayer as Jesus, before he will go to the cross, here on Monday, Thursday, he will be betrayed immediately, shortly after this prayer. And so as we look at this prayer, we see Jesus uh, as that great high priest, and he is that still today for us as he intercedes between us and the Father. And so we see in this prayer Jesus praying, and he's got three parts to this prayer where he's praying, yes, for himself. We see that in John 1, 5. He's praying that he would be glorified and be glorified with the Father. And we see also in verse 6 through 19 that he's praying for the 11 disciples, and that impacts us as well. And then we see in verse 20, down the end of this chapter, how he's praying for the church. He's praying for us. And today he has two things in mind that he wants for us, and that's unity and love. And so as we look at this this morning, I want us to first look at verse 20 as we see Jesus praying for the church. And look at how he prays to the Father. He says, Father, I do not ask on behalf of these alone. And so here Jesus is, he's in earshot of the 11 disciples, and he's praying to the Father. He says, Father, I, I, I just don't pray for these 11 men with me. Not, not just for them alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word. And so let's just think the, the ramification of this. So, so he's praying not just for the 11, but for those who will believe in him through the word, through the testimony, through the witness of the gospel of these 11. And so... What does that mean? Well, these 11 have, have shared about Jesus being the Messiah 
to those there, whether it's in Galilee, whether it's in Jericho, whether it's in Jerusalem and other points between. Yes, those, but he's even thinking bigger and larger. He's thinking about 2017. He's thinking about you and me. That's amazing to think about. All the way back in this time and probably uh, 33 AD or somewhere around there, all the way to where we are today, Jesus has in mind of this mission, the mission of God, that the work of these 11 disciples will carry the gospel all the way up to points, whether it's India, whether it's Europe, whether, whatever, it's, it's Asia, you name it, and we just keep going on and eventually here. And, 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 and through the testimony of the gospel over centuries, people's lives will be changed. And here he's praying for that. And so we get a picture of what, what God's plan is, and it's plan A, and it's his only plan, and it's that through those who believe in Christ, that his name would be carried out and extended to people who don't know him, people that are lost, that they would now be found. To the Zacchaeuses of the world who, who are, are searching, who, who are looking and just uh, looking for uh, salvation, that they who were once lost now would be found. And Jesus says, hey, through these 11, this is going to spread. And didn't it? That's interesting. You think about these 11. What happened shortly after this? Well, you got people, I mean, they're just scattering, this crew is. You got Peter denying Christ three times, and it just, it looks kind of dim. But, but then you just see the grace of God come in, and Jesus raises again. And that's what Jesus told them. He says, hey, take courage. I've overcome the world. And, and Jesus obviously expresses that in the resurrection, and he's standing before them in 40 days. He's hanging out with them, and they're just like, man, wow. He truly is the Savior. He's the Messiah. And their lives are turned upside down. The world's turned upside down. As the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes, and their lives are changed, and the church is birthed. And so what Jesus is praying for here, man, it, it happens. And the mission keeps going forth. The beat continues to go on. And so he prays for the church. It's his plan. It's plan A. It's his only plan. And what does he pray for us? Look at verse 21. He says this, that they may all be one. That's what he prays for the church. He prays that we would have this unity, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. So what is he asking for here? What did he just say? You see, Jesus desires that we would be one, united, literally one body, one family, one team, and this unity is defined by what? For us, by the relationship between the Father and the Son, this intimate, mutual relationship. It's this profound union. When we think about who God is and the triune God, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, even as Jesus talks about it in John 14, this oneness, this unity, it's, it's profound. To think about as, as Jesus is at work, the Father is at work too, and just thinking of how they are linked. The other night I was sitting in bed with my, my son and my youngest one, and I was reading just this, this tiny little excerpt from uh, this devotional book he has, and we, we were reading through it, and um, we were talking about the Father and the Son. And, and he says something to me, and he says, well, Dad, they're the same person. And I said, well, wait, time out for a second. Let's, let's kind of... Think through this a little bit. I said, they're not the same person. 
He's like, sure they are. I was like, no, 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 let's, let's, they're different. So the Father is a person, the Son is a, is a person, Holy Spirit is a person, and he's like, I mean, he, and at this point I just see his, he, he's just this, this look of confusion, right? Which, I mean, I think sometimes we talk about the Trinity and the relationship and, and the uniqueness of it. We just sit there and go, what? I mean, right? I mean, let's just be honest. And he's like, well, with that, I don't, I don't get that. I was like, well, they're, they're the same. I mean, Scripture says they're the same substance. They're, they're God, but they're different, extinct persons. They're separate in who they are. And, and we got this cool little book. We didn't get to it. I said, hey, and that is just a reminder for me this morning that I got to do this, follow through on this, is there's this book called Three in One God. It's, it's a story of, a, of an apple and some other things in there. It's a great picture about who God is and, and this distinct personhood of, of who the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit is. Cool little book for kiddos, by the way, um, to just read and understand God is, who God is. But so he's saying here, that's the kind of unity that I want for the church, that they're in the Father, they're in the Son. The same relationship that the Father and the Son have, I want that kind of connection. I want that kind of relationship for the church. And so you think about it, we're diverse in here. So many different ways. We're different in so many different ways. We, we like different things. We have different giftings and, and, and you name it, different talents. And the Lord wants to take all that in, in, in the in distinct personhood of who we are and he wants to bring this whole thing together and make one team, one body, one substance, and that's his church. That's what he wants. Just as the Father and the Son. And so that's a big ask. He is, he is asking a big thing right here. And so what Jesus wants is all believers to be united, even though they're diverse. And what's amazing is that that begins, we, we see it in, in Scripture, right? On Act, in Acts 2, in the day of Pentecost, this great coming together of this body through the Holy Spirit. And that's what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 13. He says, even as the body is one, yet has many members, all the members of the body, though they are many, are one. So also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we were all made to drink of one spirit. That's the church. So this unity is defined. It's modeled by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So the church is in the triune God. The relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is not just this, this paradigm, but it's truly something we are a part of. We share in that relationship. And so when we think of this unity, I, I want you to think of it both vertically and horizontally. They, they hinge on each other. And so I want to give you just a, a few points here when we think about this unity. Vertically, it's the shared relationship. It's the shared relationship. Where do we find that at? Look at verse 22. Listen to what Jesus prays here. Jesus prays this. He, he prays, the glory which you have given me. So he's talking to the Father in verse 22. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them. I've given to the church. That they, the church, may be one just as we are one. So, so Father, just as you and I are one, we have this unity, this relationship. I, I pray, I want them to have that. And so look at the first part of this verse again. Jesus prays, the glory which you've given me, I've given to them. Here's one of the things I have found with, with John 17. I've got to read it a lot to understand it. I'll be honest with you, a lot of scripture should, you know, we should look at scripture that way. I've got to read it a lot. If I don't read a, a, a passage like this 20 
plus times during the week before I get up and start studying and start preaching it, I don't get it. I don't get it. Maybe I'm just a little slower, um, but I don't get it. But this verse is kind of that way. I mean, look at what he's saying. The glory which you have given me, what does that mean? Okay. I have given to them. I think Jesus was explaining the nature of this unity here. And I think he's saying that we as believers, we can share in God's glory, the glory of the Father uh, that he had given to the Son. And it seems here that he's speaking uh, of bringing the knowledge of God to believers. So so here's kind of the idea here is that uh, Jesus and the Father, the Father has given Jesus this, this glory um, the understanding, the, the knowledge, obviously, of, of who God is, God is. They have this relationship, the Father and the Son do. And they, they, they share that. Uh, so when we think of, of glory in this sense, it's, it's this value uh, of knowing who God is. It's this knowledge of who God is, and, and Jesus knows that. He has a full awareness of who the Father is, so much so that, that, that the Father said, I want you to go and express to the world explain to the world who I am. And so what Jesus is saying here is, I, I want that same glory, that, that same understanding, that same knowledge to be given to the church, that they would believe and understand the revelation of God that Jesus has brought to the world. And as a result, what do they become partakers of? The glory of God. So that speaks of the gospel. It speaks of the saving knowledge of Christ, that they have this relationship with God through Jesus. And so we have this in common. So what does it mean? We have a shared relationship. We have this relationship through Jesus Christ with the Father. And so it's something that we share with with Jesus. Just as he has a relationship with the Father, so do we. So it's a shared relationship. The shared relationship also includes with it some shared beliefs. So, so we think about vertically that we have these beliefs about, about God and who he is. And this is significant. In Ephesians chapter 2, 19 through 20, Paul said, So then you are no longer strangers or aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. And so Jesus holds this all thing together, but the foundation that is built upon is exactly what Jesus was praying for. That these disciples and these apostles and, and the prophets of old, that, that what they held dear to, what they believed, and this relationship they themselves had with God became that foundation for the church that we stand upon. And so what does that mean for us? I think real simply is as the disciples and the apostles believed, what they held dear, that we hold those things dear as well. They're essential. And their shared beliefs. And so what do, what do we believe? Um, just real simply, I, I think if I could give a snapshot of this, it simply means this, that as a church, we have unity around our belief about who God is, that he has revealed to us in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We, we believe in the word of God, the scriptures, to be in the literal inspired breath of God, as Paul will say in 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17. That it's without any mixture of air whatsoever. That's what we believe about the word of God. We have unity around who man is, that, that humankind, that we are God's special creation, the pinnacle of his creation, created in the image of God, that we are male and female, literally the crowning work of his creative work. And we're all created to live for the glory of God. But we also believe that sin came in through one man by the name of Adam. And through his disobedience, sin spread to all of humanity. 
and that we are all born depraved and fall short of the glory of God. And so we believe as a result of that, that we're all in need of what? Of salvation that comes through Jesus Christ alone. We believe that, that he died for us, taking our place, becoming the substitute so that we could have eternal life instead of eternity in hell. We believe that greatly. And we believe that salvation is by God's gracious choosing, that he, by his sovereign grace, chooses us not based on anything we've done or earned, anything we've not done, but God in his free grace grants to us the free gift of of saving knowledge of Jesus Christ that comes through faith. We believe that, and we believe also um, in the church that Jesus, those who follow him, they are called the body of Christ, universally, but also locally, witnessing to the world about who Jesus is. Real simply, that's what we hold dear, and that's what we believe, and we hold those shared beliefs, and that's what keeps us united. Not only that, we have a shared mission as well. And so vertically, yes, we have this shared relationship. We have this shared belief in who God is and about the word and about the church and about who man is. But we also have horizontally this shared mission. And so look at verse 23. What was Jesus praying for in lines with this? He says in verse 23 as he finishes up what he was saying in verse 22, I in them and you in me. And so there's this relationship, this shared relationship, this, this unity that we have with the Father and the Son. And he says that they may be perfected in unity, that's the church, that they would be one, that they would be complete, mature in unity, so that, here's the purpose, that the world may know. Did you hear that? I mean, and and so there's just, defines why we are the church, what our purpose is. That the world may know Father, that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. Wow. So Jesus says through the church, through their unity, the world is to get a picture. It is to know that, Father, you have sent me. And not only that, but as you have loved me, that they would know that kind of love. And the world would see that. And the world would know that love. All through what? Through the unity and the oneness of the church that the world may know. What had happened after this is the 11 disciples, they became literally this answered prayer. The Father answered this prayer and, and, and the 11 disciples As we see, just as we saw with Jesus, he made these 11 disciples, they became his followers. And then these 11 disciples, they went out and started making disciples. They obeyed the great commission. That's what Jesus says in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Remember what he says, he says, go therefore into all nations and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he says, teaching them all that I've commanded you, and the 11 did that. And he said, lo, I will be with you even to the end of the age. And Jesus promises his presence with us when we are faithful to be about making disciples. The 11 did that. And they continued to multiply through the ages, through centuries, disciples being made as people faithfully obey the great commission. And so this is the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church, the mission of the church is to make disciples. Our mission here at the Ridge is simply that, that we would be disciples and make disciples. 
Now I want you to think practically this morning. What, what does this look like for you and I? The great way I love to do this is just look at my, my life. Because I, I love what Jesus says right here. He says, go. And he says this, as you are going. As you are going, go and make disciples. And so what does that look like for my life? Well, I think about all the different circles. I call them spheres of influence that God has, has given me personally. And then just, so I think about, my one circle is my family. Um, and, and, and what's cool sometimes is, is, is my family, we, we, we get to together um, you know, in different spheres and different circles be ministers, be witnesses of the gospel. And so, so think about it. As a family, what's the different sphere of influence that I have to them but also together that we share? My different sphere of influence in my neighborhood. What's, what's the influence that, that I can have with, with my neighbors? Um, so uh, what's the circle that I have with work? And the different people that, that I have there, that's, that's one circle. The people that maybe I, at work that I get to go to lunch with, right? And the influence that I can have on them. And what's, a, what's another circle? Maybe it's my sports team, right? Maybe you play high school football, and that's a circle you have. Maybe you're in cross country, that's a circle you have. Maybe you're in volleyball, that's a circle you have. Maybe it's your uh, children's sports team, and the circle becomes those sitting on the bleachers with you. Those become circles, spheres of influence that God has given you that I can't go to, that the person you're sitting next to this morning most likely can't go to. That's where God has you. And so as you are going, he tells us, make disciples where you are at, where I have you. And that is your mission field, okay? Now, some of us in here this morning, we're like, we've heard that before. We get that, all right? But how many times do we just kind of get off track and we start living through the to-do list of the day and miss God's to-do list, right? I mean, how many times do we do that? I mean, we're all honest in here every day. Right? Often, I miss that. I miss that mark. And God has said to us, every sphere of influence that you're in, as you're going, I want you to make disciples. I, I want you to be faithful to share the gospel. And so one of the things that has been helpful for me, and I know helpful for some of you guys in here, is just simply asking that question. Who, who's that one, man, that you are praying for and you're being intentional with, with really seeking to work, uh, build a relationship with with the goal in mind of sharing the gospel with them. Who is that one? And so begin to, to pray for that. And you might be saying, well, I, man, I don't know. I don't know. Well, well here, here's an idea. Um, start with your family, right? Who's the one in your family? Who's one of your kids? Maybe you're intentional about it. Hopefully you're, you're already being intentional about that. But maybe it's just simply starting there. But maybe it's just simply walking out your front door and looking to the left and to the right, Right? Or looking ahead of you and looking at your neighbors. Or going in the back driveway for some of you guys and, and seeing the neighbor behind you and just thinking, okay, what am I intentionally doing? Or maybe it's the guy that has the locker next to you, right? Wherever it may be, maybe it's the guy who has a cubicle next to you. And it's being intentional to say, hey, you know what, as we go to lunch, I want to be an example to him and I want to maybe share my story with him. It's, it's as simple as that. But sometimes it's, it's hard, Right? And we may be in that case where we're saying, hey, you know what? I love that. I want to be about that. But I struggle with that. I have a hard time with that. And that's okay to be there. You might be, but, but it's not okay to stay there and to use that as an excuse. It's not okay. 
And, and so I want to encourage you. Maybe you just need some, uh, a, a little push and, or maybe some encouragement. And, and I think the best way to do that is, is just to be equipped. Because I think sometimes we feel like, you know what, I just, just don't feel like I'm, I'm there, right? Well, I'll tell you what, if you know Christ and, and, and you have been saved, you have a story to tell. You have a story. And it doesn't matter if it's this big blown testimony of how he radically saved you or you were six, like I was, sitting in a church service and came to know Christ. It, it doesn't matter how radical it is. It, it's all the same story. And we all have that story to share. Well, I encourage you, uh, next week we're starting some two I Grow classes at 9 a.m. And if you're in that boat, I want to challenge you this morning. Um, one's a, a survey of the Bible. Another one's kind of a jumpstart to Christianity and, and where you're at in your walk. And, and I love to encourage you, sign up for those two classes. Come and say, I just want to send under the word. I want to sit with some teaching. And I just want to be encouraged with the word of God so that I can be God's ambassador. So I can be his, his missionary. Or you might want to get with somebody you know and say, hey, listen, will you hold me accountable? And not only that, maybe will, will you show me how to make disciples? There are some people in here that, that love, that would love to do that. I mean, they would jump up and down. I know, some, I know a retired guy in particular who would definitely love to do that and some others who would love to spend their time taking you, sitting over coffee or whatever it may be and saying, hey, listen, let me, let me just show you how to make disciples. I'll even go with you. But God wants that for us. We have this shared purpose so we have this shared relationship, we have this shared belief, we have this shared purpose that you and I are to make disciples. We all have different spheres of influence. God has put us there to make an impact. So what does that mean? I mean maybe we, we start bringing somebody to church, um, start bringing someone to, to our life group. Whatever it may be that, that we would start sharing the gospel, reaching out to people, impacting them, because that's what God has us here for. And lastly, I want you to look at this. Look at the last thing he says. In verse 25 through 26, he says, O righteous Father, although the world has not known yet, yet I have known you. Or excuse me, known you, yet I have known you. And these have known that you sent me. He says, I have made your name known to them. And I will make it known so that the love, I want you to hear this last part, so that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. You following him there? He prays to the Father. The world doesn't know you yet, but I've known you. And these with me, I think he's talking about the leaven, that you have sent me, they know you. And he says here, I have made your name known to them, and I will make it known, so that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. I love this last little part here. So here's what Jesus is praying for the church. It's for a shared love, right? It's for a shared love. And what is that love? I think first, listen to what he says, the love with which you loved me may be in them. Think about that. The love that the Father has for the Son, that it would be in us. So here's what Jesus is praying. I want the church to love me. Jesus is saying this, to love him, the Son, the Savior. I want the church to love me just as, Father, you love me. Wow. So here's what Jesus is saying this morning. I want the church to love Jesus. <laughs> that's what he wants. The same way the Father does. Wow, that's, that's, that's a big ask. So simply for us, church, what he's saying is God wants us to, to 
fall greatly in love with his son because he loves his son greatly and he wants us to know that kind of love. Um, Man, when we get to that point, when we get so in love with Jesus, our life just changes. And I think the second part of this is, is not only do we have this amazing vertical love for Jesus Christ, but, but we start having this amazing horizontal love for others because that's what Jesus had. And so I think he's asking, Lord, help them to love me as you loved me. Because Jesus knows when that happens, lives are changed. That's why he's asking for that, because he knows that's what we need. But also as a result of that, we start loving the world like Jesus loves the world. And you remember what Jesus did? On this same night, before he started teaching them, before he prayed, he knelt down and he, on a bended knee, took the position of a servant and started washing feet. Remember what he said in John 13? He said this in verse 14 15. He says, Even I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet talking about the disciples. You also ought to wash one another's feet, for I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. What is he saying? He's saying, show love, show grace, this kind of forgiveness. It's been shown to you. No, go show it to each other. Jesus said in John 13, 34 through 35, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. What's amazing about this is his disciples, they struggled with loving one another. They struggled with having this kind of love, this kind of grace and forgiveness. And Peter's gonna do this. He's gonna deny Jesus three times, Right? And he asked Jesus three times over. He says, Jesus, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, yes. But do you remember what Jesus said to Peter each time he said that? He said, then go tend to my sheep. He was saying, go love my sheep. Go serve my sheep. Remember, Jesus, I've been, uh, Peter, I've been down and washed your feet, and I told you, go and do the same to others, to each other. And so he was reminding Peter, go and love. Go show forgiveness. Go show grace to each other. Go wash feet. And that's the kind of love that he wants us to have for one another. When you think about this for a second, this unity that that Jesus is praying for, the shared relationship that we have with Christ, these shared beliefs that we hold dear, this shared mission that we have together to go make disciples of people, and this shared love. When you start thinking about this, man, all those diversities we have, things we might even disagree with, even small things, they start fading away. Disagreements that maybe we even have with each other. Disagreements that we have about maybe how things are done in the church. You, you name it. All those things start going away because we start thinking, you know what? There's only one thing that matters. That we're about together, this shared relationship. That we have this shared belief. That we have this shared mission. And then we have this shared love. And we're aware about those things. All these disagreements. All the things that, that cause us to be against each other. They go away because of the things that we share. Let me call John up, and as John the band comes up, I want to share with you one last thing that that Jesus does pray. We skipped 24. We skipped it on purpose. But I want you to see what uh, what the Son prays for the Father, for us. I want to close here because I, I want us to see, yes, the shared unity and this shared love that we have, but also, lastly, this shared destiny that we have. 
Jesus prays in verse 24, he says, Father, I desire that they also whom you've given me be with me where I am so that they may see my glory which you have given me for you loved me before the foundation of the world. Jesus was looking ahead to where he was going, to be with the Father, to share the glory that he had before the foundation of the world. And he says, I want these 11 and I want the church to see my glory. I want them to see that. What's he asking for the church? What's he asking for you and I? Jesus longs for us to be with him. He longs for us to be in the presence of his glory, of the glory of God. And so in death or when Jesus returns, this prayer will be fulfilled. In fact, in 1 John 3, 2, John says about our ultimate glorification, when we see Christ, he says, we know that when he appears, when Jesus appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. We will see him. And so he prays for the church that we would be with Jesus forever. You know what? Everyone in this room, we're all seeking glory. We're all seeking glory. And really, I think Jesus reminds us here of, of whose glory we should be seeking. We should be seeking the, the glory of God alone. And for those who, who live for the glory of God, who, who long for what Jesus longs for, to, to see Jesus one day, those who believe in Christ, we're promised here that we will taste that glory, that we will see the glory of Christ in all its fullness. And so as we think about that today, I want you to think about, man, am I, am I gonna see the glory of Jesus? And really the, the question of that is, do I believe in Christ? Do I have this relationship that Jesus so longed for the church to have? Do I have this relationship? Am I truly a part of the body of Christ, the church? Do I know Christ? If I were to die today, would I see this glory that Jesus is praying about? Would I see him face to face? I pray today that you would be able to say yes. But, but how do we say yes? Well, we, we know that for sure if we've believed in Christ. That's what the Bible tells us. Jesus says, and those who believe in me to be the Lord and that I was raised on the third day to be their Savior, that they will be saved. Do you believe that today? Do you have that relationship through Christ with the Father? I pray you do. If you don't, I'd love for you to reach out to someone. Find me after the service. Talk to me. I'd love to talk with you more. Others would too about who Christ is and how you can know him and be sure that one day, just as he prays here, you will see his glory and be with him. Let's pray.